I just remember telling so many people in my life, whenever they would ask how things are going, I would tell them, quite frankly, I think this is the toughest season we've been through as a business. And it's one of the richest because I feel like every day is reaffirmation that I've locked arms with the right people. Well, hey there. If we have not yet met, my name is Alex Jett. I'm the founder of Path for Growth, and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they were created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. One of the topics that I've just been fascinated by lately is the idea of leveling up as a leader. One of the things that we teach all the time within Path for Growth is that healthy growth is more rooted in consistency than extravagancy. And it's the things that you do every single day that make the greatest difference. And I think that that's absolutely true. But then I can also point to experiences and moments in my leadership where it was almost all at once where I just leveled up. My mindset shifted, my paradigm changed, the way and model at which I look at business and relationships and personal growth just absolutely transformed. And in many ways, I looked at those seasons as leveling up seasons as where it was just like, man, in a moment, things built up and were orchestrated in such a way that I just got better. And it's one of the greatest gifts of working within a leadership team that you get to see how that doesn't just happen for you, but rather that happens within the individual individual lives of the people that you get to work with. But then beyond that, what I've started to notice is that within leadership teams, there's leveling up seasons where the whole team levels up together in the way they collaborate, in the way they compete, in the way that they work together, and in the way that they think about the way the business is being led. And I really wanted to start getting to the bottom of what causes these leveling up seasons to happen. What do these leveling up seasons have in common? And then and what can we do to engage with them positively and proactively? And so I thought it would be so cool to just kind of examine the idea of a leadership level up with our leadership team. So this is myself, Zach Estes, who's our COO, and Olivia Graham, who's our coaching manager, diving into the topic of leveling up as a leader. Y'all, I'm so excited about this. This is the first time we've ever recorded a conversation between the three of us. So we can say it's either going to be really great or really bad, but it's probably not going to be anything in between. The way I'd like to frame this conversation is through the lens of what it looks like to level up as a leader. One of the things the three of us have connected on is that there's been specific moments and specific seasons in each of our lives and each of our careers where we can literally say, oh my gosh, we got better. And it was like our mindset changed, our emotional state changed, something about our spirituality changed, our model or paradigm of the way we look at business changed. And it was like just almost overnight, you just leveled up. And what I thought would be so powerful for us to do as a leadership team is to look into each of those scenarios and situations and say, what are the patterns that are at play? Because one of the things that we teach our customers all the time is that where there's a pattern, there's a principle. Uh, so I hope y'all are game on because I've been really stoked about this conversation for a while and I've had way too much coffee this morning. But what I'd like to start with before we get into those particular seasons for each of us is just looking kind of at the topic of like, why would it be valuable for leaders to look at this idea of leveling up? And why is this content valuable for all of us together to dive into? Uh, Olivia, I'd love to start with you and then we'll go to Zach. 
Well, I think before I answer that question directly, I would love to give a little context as to how I felt going into this conversation when we had this, when you had this idea of us talking about the times that we've leveled up. My initial response, my emotional response is, I can't think of a time that I've leveled up. And then I almost started questioning my place on this leadership team. That was just my initial thought. But I listened to that and and I sat in it for a second. And then one idea came and then another idea came and then another idea came. And I realized that with each season of leveling up, I almost got used to that new version of myself and that it just became normal. And that in the act of then evaluating it, I realized how many new tools came into the tool belt that I was taking for granted. So I just wanted to say that, and I wonder if either of you related to that at all. But the reason why I think that this is important is because you've leveled up at some point in your in your career. It's impossible not to. Like you're just going to hit roadblocks. You're going to hit opportunities. And I think being able to synthesize what you learned in that is going to level you up even more as a leader because then you're able to bring that to your team. You're able to pull that tool belt more easily because it's something that you're consciously aware of. I think that's so well said. One of the things we say all the time is that there's not wisdom in experience. There's wisdom in evaluated experience. And I feel like the three of us so often um, we'll have a conversation we'll, where we will look back on a season, kind of like what we're going to do today. And we say, oh my gosh, thank goodness we had this conversation because we pulled so many lessons, so many principles, so much wisdom from just taking a moment to look back and say, what could we learn from that situation? And, and so in some ways, it's like, man, that's what we're trying to do today is both extract some of those things for ourselves, but also teach leadership teams like there's value in reflection and extraction. Zach, anything else you would add to that? Or why do you think this is so important to do? Yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment, Olivia. I found it really easy to reflect on past jobs in different industries and much more difficult. I felt like there's a lot of like recency bias happening in my head around like, well, what's been true about my time at Path for Growth? And then I actually ended up asking myself, well, if I were just to like reflect on my time at Path for Growth as if it was a different season of my life, then it was like way easier to pull on those things. So that was an interesting kind of takeaway for me just in practicing this. But yeah, I think I think being able to see the time, like whenever we talk about leveling up, there's part of me that's like, okay, you have a new foothold. Like if you've ever gone rock climbing or something, you have a, you have a new place in which you can lean back on, um, a new standard in which you can stand on really rather than like sliding back down the cliff and just kind of like being able to see like okay what are my footholds what how like where have I developed those strengths or muscles to be able to put my foot there and capitalize off of or jump from or anything like that so I think if you can identify those then you know where they are you know what they look like and you and you can also see future ones coming like you can see you you can experience maybe something that's really, really hard right now as, wow, I'm going to grow so much through this rather than 
my world is turned upside down. I think that's such a powerful metaphor because it kind of helps us actually define our terms some. It's like a leveling up season is the season where your base literally gets higher. Like the, mm-hmm. your, the place that you're starting from literally gets raised. And if you do fall back, that's what you're falling back to now. Would y'all f- say that's an accurate definition of what we're talking about here? 100%. Yeah. Like I'm not going to do the things that I would have done, you know, there's a there's a point in time in which the way in which I acted became different, maybe in one particular style or process or thing, and I'm never going to go back before that because I've I've just like learned something new and I can't not see it, and so I have to do that that way. Okay, and then before we jump into our individual moments and start extracting some of the principles and lessons from those things and pulling them apart and trying to examine them. So I posed this question to y'all literally yesterday and said, okay, I want us to center this conversation around leveling up as a leader. Let's each come with a few examples of seasons in our life, in our career, or even in our time at Path for Growth where we leveled up. I'd love for each of you to walk through kind of the thought process. Uh, like what, how did you go about answering that question? Um, because I think that would be really helpful because our goal out of this episode is for people to think about how they would answer that question for themselves, but then also for us to all be intentional about like, we've got to always be leveling up. And there's certain things that we can do not to manufacture it, but to make sure we're putting ourselves in the positions and situations where it can occur. So how did you go about tackling that question in preparation for this conversation? Zach, I'll go to you first. What I noticed that each thing I kind of thought about of like leveling up moments were times in which I've like almost forced myself to, or I was forced to pause and think differently about a situation, whether, whether a circumstance was happening and I needed to act differently to get through that, or I wanted to accomplish a certain outcome and I've never been there before. And so like, there was never this moment where like, I was just going through the motions and doing my thing. And so being able to think back on the things of like, when was I forced to just sit in it for a second and, and have to think differently? And what were those milestones in my life? And even like recent years. Yeah. So I just kind of started documenting some of those and that was really, we won't get to all of those. um, But having that list for myself is really, really valuable. I think my answer to that question is for whatever reason, I was thrown back to working at Ramsey Solutions and Dave talking at a staff meeting. And he was describing how when you get your first million, it's always going to be easier to get your second because you know how to ride that bike. And I started thinking about that for whatever reason. I started thinking about what are things in life that before they happened, they would have felt insurmountable to overcome. But then once going through them, if hit with a similar situation, I feel like I could have overcome it in a in an easier way with more ease. And all of a sudden, there were so many examples that came to mind. Oftentimes, all my leveling up feel like they're back against the wall situations, like the kinds of situations you actually wish you were never in. But then when you look back retrospectively, you're thankful you had them. And I truly think of that Yeah, I maybe wouldn't want to relive them exactly how they went, but they absolutely are things that now that I've ridden that bike, similar problems, similar situations feel familiar. And so therefore way less scary, way less daunting. And so that just feels more like a level up. 
Mm-hmm. What about you, Alex? Oh, goodness. I think how I came at the question and, and honestly how I came up with the question was just thinking through the way that we teach about growth. Growth is in the name of our business. We talk about it literally every single day. And specifically, we guide people towards healthy growth. And the message that we're trying to hit home all the time is that healthy growth is not about extravagancy. It's about consistency. Like you become the things that you do every single day. And the things that you do daily create the person, the man, the woman, the leader, the parent, the spouse, the Christ follower that you become permanently, right? So the message that we are constantly hitting home in this podcast, in our membership community, on our public workshops is always consistency, consistency, consistency. And without a shadow of a doubt, like the man I am today is largely the result of habits, routines, and rhythms. It's the result of consistency. But then it's like there's specific moments or sometimes seasons where I look back and it's just like it all occurred in a moment. And it was like the way that I looked at everything changed. My heart shifted. My mindset shifted. There was something about my faith that that got uh, just shaken up. And in, in so many ways, that just feels like such a God moment. I think God is in the consistency too, but I think sometimes God steps in and intervenes and just shakes you up. And sometimes you want it and sometimes you don't, but it literally feels like, okay, we're we're going to operate at a new level and that new level is going to be very unfamiliar to you. And it's not going to be unlike, it's going to be unlike anything you've ever done before. And so I guess what I thought back to is what are the seasons or the moments where things just felt like they were unfamiliar and new and I had to adapt or adjust to meet them. Mm -hmm. Like I had to meet the new territory. And so to you, I mean, we, we all love Jordan Peterson, some of us more than others, I guess. (laughs) Um, But, but, uh, you know, he talks about order and chaos and I feel like I'd be interested in knowing y'all feel the same way. Like every single example that I wrote down represented leaving order to go into chaos, sometimes voluntarily, and that often went well, and sometimes involuntarily, and that was often a lot harder. But I think all of them fit into that trend or pattern. I just pulled up our list, and yeah, you're right. (laughs) Gosh. Why do you guys think that is? I mean, I I think that just goes back to like the whole thing of like knowing where you are and where the boundaries are, and then stepping beyond the boundary and Realizing like, okay, that's now like Jordan Peterson's language. Like that's now known territory. It's not the unknown. It's not chaos. Even if it is still chaotic, being in known territory just because you're present in it is is a different thing rather than having never been uh, ever before. And so it's kind of just like a, yeah, one of those adventures. That's fun. And I, I think it becomes fun when you look at it as an adventure. Yeah. But when you look at it as terrifying, unknown right. territory, then, oh, oh I mean, it, it becomes terrifying. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I feel like we've operated in the realm of hypothetical theory for a while now. Let's, let's jump into some of these stories. Olivia, I'd love to put you on the spot first. Uh, give us a story of when you think back at it, it was a time whenever you were challenged, forced, encouraged uh, to level up as a leader. Well, I'd like to comment on what you just said about viewing it as an adventure. I can say with certainty that I did not view what I'm about to walk through (laughs) as an adventure when I was going through it. And so uh, I think that's a nice to have, probably not a prerequisite to leveling up. But the one that I wanted to call attention to is because, Alex, you so 
in such a such a great friend way walked through this with me. This was when I was in a floral design. I owned a floral design and wedding company with my husband. We had a five month old and 2020 hit. And so we all have that frame of reference. Like we all experience that in some way. Some people really excelled when that hit. And for me being in events, that was a really, really scary time. And so I think that this was the line in the sand moment for me that before this, I don't think I believed that all problems were solvable. And after this, I believed that all problems were solvable. And so that was a cool thing to reflect on. But I remember distinctly two key moments when my husband and I, hands uh, just covering our faces, looking at each other, don't know what to do, baby in the back room sleeping, how are we going to make ends meet? There were two things. One, I heard Brian Miles talk about you have to define, are you in the seat where you got to keep the lights on? You got to get into the baseline bare minimum. You don't have savings in the bank. Or are you the type of person who has a runway? And if you're the type of person who has a runway, then all of a sudden you have more time than you've ever had in your entire life because your business is shut down. And how are you going to use that runway? And so we looked at each other and we said, we have a runway. So that was the first thing, the first like moment of about to see things differently. The second was, Alex, you came over for dinner and we were just hashing it all out. We said, here are all of the things we're really worried about, we're afraid of. Here are the things that we think might be possibilities. It was just a lot of things to sift through and wade through. And you just very kindly sat with us. And by the end of the night, we established that there was a short term, a medium, to, a middle term, and a long term way that this is going to play out. Short term, we know we have money in the bank. We're going to be fine. Long term, we know events are going to come back eventually. We're going to be fine. What was actually causing us the most stress was what are we going to do during that middle time, that that unknown, ambiguous eight months into the future? And I think what I ultimately learned in that moment was things feel way bigger, way scarier when you aren't really clear about what you're actually afraid of. And taking the time to sift through all of the variables, figure out which variables you have a lot of control over to pull the levers to your advantage, and then figuring out which are the ones that really feel unknown, and then asking for help. Well, that changed the way I viewed problem solving. And I can see it to this day, how it affects our day-to-day problem solving and path for growth. And I think that if I hadn't had to deal with problem solving at such a grand scale, that I wouldn't have the capacity for problem solving that I do now. And so I guess the thing that I would just like call attention to for someone listening is like that concept of how are you putting guardrails and, and barriers around what all of the problems are that you're trying to sift through and make sense of those? Wow. Beautifully articulated, number one, um, and such a powerful story. So what I'd love for us to do now is I want you to be an observer of yourself, Olivia. And then I'd love for Zach and us to play scientific methodical observers as well. And I'd love for us to look at this as like, okay, we've got this finished product called a level up and it's like a beautiful chocolate cake. And we're going to try and work this thing backwards and say, what were the ingredients that kind of 
went into that cake to make it what it is? Like, what are the things that we noticed were present that made a level up occur? Because I think one of the things that's really noteworthy for people to understand, I think it was Tony Robbins that I first heard say, crisis either crushes you or it recreates you. And so it's like, there is nothing that says that for you and Will, that story turns out the way that it does. That could have crushed you, could have crushed your marriage, could have crushed your ability to be good parents, could have cut off your ability to be a future path for growth coaching manager. It could have crushed you, but rather it sounds like it recreated you. So I'd love for us to kind of examine and get underneath the hood of what caused that to occur. Uh, so I'd love for us each of, to think about one or two things that we noticed based on Olivia's telling of that story of what was in place for that to occur. Zach, uh, any initial observations from your perspective? It's interesting that you you brought Alex into it. Like you brought your friends into it. You brought someone on the outside into it to help. And I found that really interesting. I think that's true of a lot of kind of my reflections as well. But I think like not doing life alone and being able to rely on other people who aren't necessarily in the uh, messy middle with you, like that's a super valuable principle. And obviously y'all took action on that and you didn't take action on it right then and there. You had already developed that relationship over years. And so it was just already this thing that you didn't have to start, but you could just invite other people into Alex, into the rest of your friends into right then and there as a normal, as a normal form of, uh, just like friendship and relation. 100%. It would have been exhausting if I had had to catch Alex up yeah, on right. the past couple years of what we had been working up to. But he already knew. It's a really good point. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that hits home on the value of, of context as a amplifier to the ways that you learn and the way that you grow. Because I, I think you tell that story and it can be really easy for people to get the picture of like, oh, we're in this crisis situation. Call Alex, invite him over for dinner. And it's like, that that wasn't the case at all, right? And, and you wouldn't have wanted to do that if I didn't know any of the context, right? It's like, I was having dinner at that time at their house every single Wednesday. And, and they were nice enough to cook for me every single Wednesday. So it's also that you weren't putting the onus on me to be some rescuer or even to be hyper brilliant. Quite frankly, I look back at that. I'm like, you mean that that dinner was impactful for you? Because I just felt like I asked questions and kind of just like sat there and, and just kind of chatted a little bit. But I think when someone has context and is able to look at a situation objectively, there can be real value to, to that. And you trust that Alex is operating in your best interest. Mm -hmm. Like you trust him as a friend. It's not just like an acquaintance that every so often you meet or y'all do social, like you work out together or something. Like it's not, it's not that it's like you really trust that one, he has the context of the situation that y'all are in and who y'all are. And two, that the things that he's going to say, whether or not they're actually like something you agree with, you know that he's operating in your best interest. And so you can trust that like, okay, he's not going to lead me down a inappropriate thought process or something that I can't rely on necessarily, but it's something that's going to challenge me regardless. Sure. But then also to add to that, obviously Alex has context. He cares about me and Will as individuals, but he's not emotionally in it. Yeah, He's not going to be going home that night, laying awake, thinking about it. And, and there's something about that just one degree removed from someone that's one, really comforting. The world keeps going past your crisis, but two, 
really helpful because he has a certain level of clarity that I can't have because I am in a crisis. And so it's a sweet spot of a type of person to, to really be in something with you. To answer your question, Alex, I think the thing that is most apparent to me is that there is a sense of, I don't know if the word, I'm going to choose between two words. It's either intensity or urgency. Hmm. None of these lessons would have been learned if it was just a casual season of life where everything's humming per usual. There was this just massive swing of the pendulum that I didn't expect. It threw me off kilter and it almost, it's almost like you sink or you swim, you have to choose and hopefully you choose to swim. But uh, yeah, I don't know if it's intensity or urgency, but that's for sure a part of the cake. What had prepared you and Will to be the type of people that would choose to swim in that moment? You know, I got asked a question similar to this the other day at lunch where it's like, what made you the type of person who could do this? And it's really hard to answer questions like this because ultimately you're like, you know, I feel, I I don't feel like there's anything particularly uh, that stands out about me that you guys wouldn't do. So that feels challenging. But I guess if I were to pinpoint something, I think that we were just very passionate about the type of life that we were trying to build with our business as the instrument to make that happen. We wanted unconventional lives where we didn't work for somebody else at the time, where we had freedom to get to work where we wanted, when we wanted. I wanted to be able to be home with my son. I wanted to be able to see my husband more than just breakfast and dinner. I wanted to build something that I really loved and was excited about. And as I describe this, I'm also now currently describing my job at Path for Growth, which is really cool. But I think that the stakes were too high for us for it to not work. And if maybe if even one of those things wasn't as passionately true, then we could have maybe let it sink. Like it's a lot of energy to right side something that goes so far off the tracks. But if you're if your vision for why you're doing it is strong enough, then you almost are like, it's like giving up oxygen is what it kind of felt like at the time. Dang. Okay. In light of that, even maybe when you were in the middle of it or on the backside of it, just on the backside of it, would, would you look back and say, I never should have left my full-time job to start that company? Because a lot of times when people are debating whether or not to leave their full-time job to go out into a new venture to become an entrepreneur, a lot of times what they're playing through their head is the worst case scenario of what could happen. And mm-hmm. I think what happened was worse than the worst case scenario you could have envisioned, Olivia. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any reality where you prophetically envision like, well, all events could be off for six months, right? And we would own an event business. So like the worst that could happen uh, did in many ways as it relates to your business. Thank, thank God your family was healthy, right? But looking back, would you say I never should have left my full-time job? Oh, never. That, okay. that thought has never once crossed my mind. And why is that? Because I know it's not like your full-time job was miser- miserable, right? It was a pretty great, secure, stable. I mean, in many ways, people would kill to work there. So why is it the case that even though what you went through was tough, you wouldn't change having done it. 
Well, while I think on that, I want you to think on that too, because you started a business in 2020 as well. So we're both rowing together. While y'all think on that, can I answer a perspective that I hear often? Yeah. That I, like Olivia, when you were talking about that, the thing that came to mind was every time I see my father, every time I go visit my parents, it's so funny. He'll just like, he's always talking about us three and really our whole team and our business. And he always talks about how, he'll be talking with his leader at work and, and their kind of team. And they're always talking about, or, you know, they're regularly talking about us and how we quote, break the rules. Oh, they're just over there breaking the rules. And what stands out in my mind of that is like, you even mentioned it, Olivia, like unconventional life. Y'all wanted to do something different than what was normal and you broke the rules. And so there's something to be said here about like, observing that there are rules to be broken and wanting to go after that and not even realizing necessarily that you're breaking rules, so to speak, but just that you're not following like the status quo anymore. (laughs) I feel like that's an unwritten path for growth core values. Follow, follow the laws, break the rules. (laughs) We go just up to the edge of like, this is still legal, but everything else that is just weird (laughs) social convention that people like, Oh, like, care about, but have no real logical reason why. I think we are all deeply passionate about breaking those things. Absolutely. Okay. I, I think my response to this question is sure the worst case scenario did happen, but when I left Ramsey, I also defined my baseline. If the worst case scenario happens, then I'll just go get another job. Like that was the baseline. And the baseline was still there. You know, like I still had that lifeline of if I can't figure out this eight month runway, if in eight months we still have made zero money, I can go get another job. And I think that that just was really, that had a lot of security to it. And so I still at this day, like looking back, I'm like, it wasn't even that risky. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's what's interesting too, is that eight month runway was real before Brian Miles ever said anything on an Instagram live that you heard. Your your emotions just got in the way of seeing it logically, right? And that makes sense to me. I think everyone's emotions would do that. And I I mean, I would love to know if y'all had takeaways on that too, but it's like one of my takeaways is like, man, I need to be humble enough to recognize there are times where my emotions get in the way of me seeing a situation clearly. And therefore, I have to listen to other voices and have to put myself in a position where I'm able to hear from other people that I trust. Before we switch, I'd love to comment just more on that runway. I feel like in coaching calls that I have, that is a concept that I reference more often than most because you're going to react or act very differently to a problem that has a two-week runway than a two-year runway. And if we can uh, steady ourselves for just enough time to define what that runway is and whatever it is that we're working through, and again, it doesn't have to be a global pandemic. It can just be whatever is making you feel even the slightly bit anxious about something. Being able to have that definition, it really works wonders on the strategy that you then decide to act on. I've seen the flip side of that too, where people are way too lax and casual, and then they somehow are able to identify the runway and realize that they have 48 hours until like something bad happens. And now they're informed to actually be able to do something about it, whereas it was just going to happen had they not 
made that observation. I mean, I think we all hear that it's like so many of the Fortune 500 came out of the 2008 economic recession, right? There's so much innovation and creativity that comes out of crisis. But I think that's really only if you're positioning yourself to be able to respond. And that is such a more uh, fun, optimistic, faith-filled, encouraging, and honestly exciting way to look at building up a reserve of cash for your business and having strong uh, financial metrics and barriers in your business is it's like, we could call it an emergency fund or a rainy day fund, but golly, that sounds like no fun. No wonder you don't feel motivated to build that thing up. What if you are buying yourself the ability to be innovative, creative, and of service to others when everything goes crazy. Not if everything goes crazy, when everything goes crazy. And it's like, if Olivia only has 48 hours in that moment, like there is, there is no focusing on others. There's no other business opportunities. Everything's off the table and you just got to keep the lights on because you've got a a five-month-year-old at home, right? But the minute you've got eight months, then you could say, how could we best maximize this time that we have in service of others to create new and lasting value? I think that connects to another principle that's very real today is opportunity doesn't just go, doesn't just disappear. Opportunity shifts. And so a person that's in survival mode can't even begin to look up and ask the question, where has the opportunity shifted to? Because they're just focusing on how to breathe. Zach, that connects to that idea that you uh, posted in our leadership chat the other day from that book you're reading. Do, do you, I can't remember it exactly, but do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. So the book is called Corporate Turnaround Artistry. And I believe there's a quote in there, something along the lines, like it's talking about the health of a leader. And it says, you know, healthy people have a hundred wishes, unhealthy people have one wish. And that whole thing is just like, you can't do anything but breathe. All you want is to be healthy. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I Whenever Zach told me the book that he's reading is called Corporate Turnaround Artistry, I was like, that sounds about right. That sounds quintessentially <laughs> Zach Estes thing to read. Uh, very good. Uh, okay, let's let's jump to Zach now. Zach, give us, a, give us a moment or a season when you really feel like you leveled up as a leader. Yeah, I'm actually going to use that same book, uh, Corporate Turnaround Artistry. Uh, a couple months ago, I started reading that. I heard that from a podcast. I just kind of casually listened to a bunch of different podcasts. And um, I heard I heard a guest talk about that. And it immediately stood up as like, oh, that's a really cool, like, did subtitles fix any business in 100 days, right? And it's just like, okay, that's, a, that's an awesome uh, hook, line, sinker. I'm sold, bought it, and digested it. Like the day or two that I got it, I finished it. I finished the book. And it's a good book. Very practical, very principled. And as I was going through it, I was just marking it up like crazy. I was taking notes on it. I was highlighting it. I was uh, just like, it. it is a textbook of a material. And and I finished it and I had it and I was like, great, this is going to be such a great reference tool and I can use this and pull back principles and things that our leadership team can use and I can use in life, all of those things. Tangentially at the same time, I was kind of thinking about like how I would really, there's, there's one customer in particular that I'd really like to just like bless and be generous towards. And so I was trying to think of like, what's something that I could do for the, um, this customer and gift them or like, what would that be? And what is a good gift? Like, should I buy them something? Should I get them a gift card to somewhere? Like, should I just write them a note? What should I do? And it just hit me of like, 
I should give them, I should give them that book uh, with all of my notes. And the, the reason that this was such a level up for me, this sounds silly. And, and what I'm not doing is like trying to brag on myself or anything. What I'm just pointing out is that I noticed it as a level up for me because I have dreams and aspirations of what my time will eventually, eventually be worth one day. So the way in which I act on that is, as an example, is like I mark up my Bible and I take notes in it and I underline it. And I'm so, it excites me to one day pass that down to Oliver, my son. Uh, and for him to pass that down to his children one day. And like, that would be such a cool legacy to leave. And you can't, you can't get that. That's a one of a kind thing. Mm. And like, that's the idea that started coming to me. I was like, well, what are the things that I can do that are only one of a kind? What are those like experiences for people, for relationships, for friends, for customers, for family that I can do that's only one of a kind? And all of those things really involve like my time. And like my energy and my dedication, because eventually that goes away and no one can get that. You can't get that again. And so I just the, acting on that. Um, I've been doing that, right? Like I've been doing that with my Bible for my son, but acting on that in such a way where it wasn't just like a family legacy. It was like, oh, I really, I really want to pour into this for a friend. Just like opened my eyes to see like, oh, I could, I could do that with everyone. Like I could act in such a way that is uh, infinitely generous, right? You can't, you can't buy that. You can't get that from anyone else. It's not a, it's not a thing that you can purchase with any type of resource. Like it just has to purely come from a heart of generosity. And so that's just changed my whole outlook on how I spend my time and whom I'm serving and how I'm serving them. Am I serving them in such a way that's something that I can duplicate or is this a one of a kind moment? Well, to respond to that, you told me that you did that in one of our one-on-ones. And then we immediately started saying, how much do you think someone would pay for Tim Ferriss's version of his marked up four-hour work week? Thousands. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. But I mean, that that customer, he was, he was shook. He says that it's one of his most prized possessions now, which is really cool to hear. But something that I hear when you say this is, I feel like I would be stingy with that. Like I would have a scarcity mentality of... I mark this up. I have these thoughts once. I give it away. I never get to see them again. And so that just feels like such an expansion of an abundance mentality with you doing that. Like I have enough. I have so much to give that I have enough for myself. I can give to others freely. Yeah. I, uh, I'm so glad that you said that. I was in the same way for sure. Like I, I want my vision for my bookshelf is that it's like marked up, uh, ripped up, has my notes all over it. And I can go to it and look at myself 20 years ago and be like, wow, look at how much you've grown, Zach. Like, that's what I, that, I think that would still be really cool. And having this idea of being able to be like, oh, I could, I could give that away. And that, it may be even more impactful than 20 years from now, me being able to reflect. It could be impactful right now for another person and maybe impactful for the rest of their life. Who knows? Maybe not, but maybe at least right now for another person. And yeah, that just, it, it changed my way of thinking about it. So that makes me think of a teaching I heard once. I think it was largely related to finances and the topic of generosity. And it just basically said that lots of people hit a lid whenever they think, oh, that money is coming to me. And that's where it stops. And the, the teacher said, you need to understand that money is coming to you so that it can go through you. 
and, and like it's supposed to be poured out through you, which connects so much to one of our core values of strength is for service. And I mean, I tilted my head a little bit when I was like, he's listing that as a leadership level up. How is that a leadership level up? But now you explaining it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that is leadership, right? It's like, you can hoard this information for yourself and say, this book is going to make me better. And that's what we do with many of our resources, our intelligence, our time, our ideas, our innovation, right? We say, this is going to make me better. Which might be true. Oh, it might be true. Yes. And it probably should make you better, right? Like, and that's <laughs> fine. But, but something changes when you start to ask the question, like, how could I maximize this book, this money, this time, this information, this innovation, this creativity in service of others to make them better? And it's just such a wildly practical example of that, which is really cool. I think it just opened up my eyes for sure to, to be more cognizant of how I can live out that value of strength is for service, for sure. And I feel like a baby when their eyes just open, like I'm still blind. I'm still super blind, but I can see light and that's the difference. And things are still coming to mind of like, wow, how like ways in which I can act on that. And so it's like in some ways the level up there is it's like that one action and getting such positive results from it and going through the process of making that happen and executing upon it. It's like that was a level up, not just because Zach became a person that gives away books, although that's a really cool thing. It's like, it's changing the way Zach and by extension, all of us are looking at the resources that we have available to us today, right? It's like, oh, how could I maximize this in service of others? And that's that's a level up moment because that's a paradigm shift. The, the other thing that strikes me that I, I didn't think about this until you were talking about it, I really feel that this is a season for myself personally, and I can see examples of this on our team collectively and specifically within the three of us where... We have each been blessed with, I mean, in many ways, world-class mentors in the area of business and leadership and life. And I think each of us has a natural predisposition or had really good parents or really good teachers growing up where we were raised to be coachable and be hungry for that stuff. But there's also just a degree of blessing associated with the fact that we've been exposed to incredible information and incredible people. And as a result, I think in many ways, each of our careers up to this point has been built on following, role-playing, trying to adopt these strategies, tools, techniques, principles, and models of others. And uh, in, in many ways, that has been path for growth for the past three years as well. What I have felt in this season specifically is path for growth is being challenged as a business, but also each of us is being challenged individually to like all of those things that you've learned from those other people are really good things, but those things are not distinctly you. What is your leadership style? What is your leadership voice? What does gift giving look like to you? What are your operating principles? What is the way that you distinctly bring value to the marketplace, both as an individual and as a business? And I feel like we are literally smack dab in the middle. I I know I am of like defining like, okay, I've looked up to John Maxwell and Jordan Peterson and Dave Ramsey and TD Jakes and Brene Brown for years, but I'm not going to be them. Like, and, and the rest of my career is going to look like me trying to be who Alex was created to be. And you got to know, you got to know who you are to do that. And it just strikes me, Zach, that the story that you told is an example of like, you didn't take that from anyone. That's something that you did that is uniquely Zach, 
right? And I guarantee you that even if any of us were going to pursue that idea, we wouldn't have done it with the book Corporate Turnaround Artistry. Like, that's ridiculous. So I I think that that's something that's at play that I think we might all be in a leveling up season in this season as well. Yeah, I think that. I think that's so true. Alex, I'd love to toss it over to you and hear from your list. Yeah, well, I think what would be really interesting, because this is one that you brought up as well, Olivia, but it's one that we all walked through, is just to kind of talk about a a season that we're largely on the heels of now, but we've alluded to here on the podcast. Does that sound good to you all to jump into that one? You know what, that season? It sounds like Voldemort, (laughs) the season that shall not be named. I guess I'll try and describe the details of it. And if there's any details that I miss, I'll I'll defer to y'all. I think probably for about the first two years of the business, we experienced in some seasons rapid growth and in other seasons really steady growth. And in many ways, uh, things were very much pointed up and to the right. And part of that was, I mean, all of that was huge blessing. And I think we did a good job of stewarding that really well and reinvesting into the business to make new hires. That's how Zach came on board. That's how we now have Kyle, who is one of our new coaches. But it was probably at around the the two-year and three-month mark to to two-and-a-half-year mark that a couple things happened at the same time that some of them were blindsides, some of them were expected, and then some of them were just flat out mistakes on our part. And, and so the ones that I remember that stand out to me is we specifically made a hire that was just, we look back and we say that was a mistake. That was, a, And it was our mistake. We should not have made the hire, partially because we didn't know what we were walking into and what we were expecting from that role. But then also we didn't do a great job in the interviewing process as well for clarifying what we wanted and what our vision was for the role. And so we looked up within 90 days and said, oh my gosh, we made a mistake. And, and so I'll never forget, we did a net out on that and we listed all the areas where we went wrong, but we also listed the amount of money it cost us. And there was that initial cost of the first 90 days of getting that person staffed, paying that person initially, making sure that they're all, they have all the tools that they need and the training that they need. But then there's also the residual cost that I've never really thought about until owning a business where it's like, okay, you've also lost out on the potential benefit of getting that hire right. And you're now six months behind. And it was in a really crucial role where I don't know that we realized how urgent it was to get that hire right in that time, but it was pretty urgent and we got it wrong. So, so that was number one. And and that was a mistake. Number two, we had a couple of key customers that had been with us from the beginning that i I think I'm being honest whenever I say like the general sentiment was not I have anything against Path for Growth. I think the general sentiment was, man, we love y'all. We love what y'all do. Um, we're so grateful for the time and money that we've invested with y'all. We may even come back in the future. But as of right now, like two and a half years, I think we're going to maybe get involved in other things that are either meeting in person or we're going to go pursue other avenues. And we know that that's going to happen, but it always surprises you whenever it does, right? It's part of the nature of our business, but we know people will leave, but whenever they do leave, we're always like, that was too early, right? That that shouldn't have happened. And, And we had a couple of big customers that it caught us by surprise in many ways. And that was 
very scary. And it all kind of happened at the same time for that specific example. Yes, exactly. All of that happened on the same time. And then I think it was associated with the hire too. We started to see evidence that, man, we've marketed to our bottom of funnel really, really well. And we've got this core base of people that is really strong, but we have not prioritized outreach and expansion Uh, much at all. And we started to experience some of the ramifications of that. And so that was occurring at the same time as well. If there's anything else y'all would add just to give the context on the situation, the only other thing I would say is there were a couple of errors that we made that it, it was the first time where I looked at it and I said, okay, well, we're making mistakes with commas in them now. And and what I mean by that is it's mistakes that cost over $1,000, right? And and there were a couple of those that we we would say, man, this is a lesson I wish we didn't have to learn, but we are learning it now and, and it's it's beating us over the head. And and so are there any other details, anything else that was going on in that season of probably that three to four month-ish period that y'all would call attention to? Whenever I think about that season, I also think about like, um, and this was like all kind of year two and three to probably like nine months, somewhere around there, like year two and a half. And like there was a lot of mistakes, but then there were also a lot of like spikes of growth and then spikes of loss. And it was just like this uh, heavy kind of like whiplash feeling and effect of like, oh, things are really, really good. Oh, things are really, really not good. All pretty in a tight timeline. And then different things like as we're a small team, feeling the effect of team members coming and going. Uh, We're also a young team. And so spouses and team members going out on maternity leave and having babies and like our team growing in that way, but like that having a significant impact operationally. And, and then also we made some like changes around the way in which we started thinking about our product and how it served all kind of in the same season. And so it's just like a, yeah, a little bit of a whirlwind of a, of a season that we've been through. And like you said, like if we, had we not identified and at least reflected back and, and trust that we've learned through those lessons, like that'd be a really wasteful, wasteful whirlwind. Well, I was going to say to the, the spikes and, and valleys, I feel like the product focus was coming from like, we're getting people in the door and they're kind of leaving in some ways just as soon as they come in. Hmm. What's going on there? And it's almost like because everything was coming to a head all at one time, the things that were probably actually not so good in our business uh, were becoming more apparent. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of stunk that it was all happening at the exact same time. I also think that we were just very blind. Like we were making decisions based off of very little data. We, We were realizing that while these things were happening, like, man, I really wish that I knew where our leads were coming from. I really wish we knew how long said leads were staying in the program. I really wish, like we were asking all of these questions and and having all these desires of things we didn't have. And I'm really proud because once those were apparent to us, we course corrected relatively quickly. We were almost like, no more. This is not us (laughs) any longer. But I almost I also feel like we haven't gotten to the end of painting the season of everything coming to a head. Like in this time we also hired a new coach. We lost a coach. We lost more customers in that time of like losing the coach. And there was multiple leadership team meetings week after week where the three of us were 
almost like back to how me and Will were in 2020, looking at each other like, what in the world are we going to do? Like, I remember being in a leadership team meeting and getting a text like, so-and-so is churned, right as we were like, okay, if no one else churns, we're going to be fine. Someone else churns. And it's in some ways hard to talk about this because I realize that people who are fans of Path for Growth are listening to us talk about all of the things that went really poorly for a season of time. And you said this, uh, Zach, the thing that you don't want to talk about, you should talk about. Yeah. Like the thing that you want to hide, that's the thing that needs to be out into the light as soon as possible. If you can't talk about it, you should talk about it. Exactly. And that kind of feels like that right now. Like I'm feeling that itchy skin feeling of, should we even be talking about this right now? But that means we should be talking about it right now because I'm so proud of what's come from that time. Like so many of the things that are part of our business now that we didn't have wouldn't have been a result unless we had this intensity, this urgency, this back against the wall, eight months. Meanwhile, I'll also add, I had just come back from maternity leave. I was one of those people leaving and having babies. Like if we could have timed that a little bit better, that would have been appreciated. But you know what? (laughs) Level up. (laughs) You should just uh, anticipate that crisis always occurs when Olivia has a newborn. That seems to be the trend. That That does seem to be the trend. Where there's a pattern, there's a principle, right? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think my personality type is wired in such a way that I can get this lie in my head that in order to be a good leader, I need to have it all figured out. And specifically, the image that I present to people has to look like it has it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm in an unhealthy spot, conversations like this make my skin crawl, right? I I just don't like it because I'm like, how are people going to trust me as a leader? Mm -hmm. The thing that I, the truth that I have to return back to is like the quality of your leadership is not defined by an absence of crisis, even if that crisis is self-imposed. Because certainly not all of it, there was some stuff here that we could not control, but there was a fair amount, and I would say more than 50% of this, there was just oversights, misses, uh, like mistakes, errors on our part, right? And, And we own that, right? So it was on us. The quality of your leadership is not defined by the absence of crisis, but by the way you respond to that crisis. And so that's what I'd like to get us into now is I would love to know from each of us, what was a personal takeaway from that season with regard to response to crisis that you will look back on and say, man, um, I took this away personally and it's affected me personally as a leader and maybe even in other arenas beyond this business. But then also, what is a team takeaway or a business takeaway from that season that you think would apply to other people as well? So think on that and then whoever wants to go first. Yeah, my it's funny. One of my, as I was thinking about this conversation, one of my takeaways and kind of like lessons learned and level up moments I felt like actually came from the season, which was me realizing that we needed to have a team conversation about the financial health of the business and what healthy growth looks like. And just even positioning it as, okay, how do I teach this to the entire team in such a way that is empowering and not like fatiguing, not from a waste standpoint, not like an over-processing. I don't want to give information to people to where they don't, they can't do anything with it. I want them to be able to feel empowered and equipped and informed of their own careers and their professions and being able to, being able to stop and say like, okay, how can I do that 
and what does that mean about the the way in which the financial like information of the business is organized came from this whole season of, of just being like okay here are all the high level metrics here's everything that like goes into that and here's our runway essentially right like here's our here are the two metrics that matter in the season because of these problems and here's what that means for the business and here's kind of where we're going because of what's happening can i highlight something can I, oh i want to comment too i'm next i'm next <laughs> okay okay uh, you were both waiting to jump in we're like i think he's winding down let me highlight something so number one talking transparently about the finances of, biz- of a business can be yeah. a little bit of a touchy topic the thing that i will say is it always it should always involve outrageous amounts of intentional communication and education. And that's what I think Zach does really, really well, right? He communicates and educates our team really well on how to read these things. But within that, the thing that I've seen is a lot of times the thing that can stop a leader or leaders from being transparent about the finances of a business is not all the time like, oh, I don't trust people with this information or things like that. A lot of times it can be, I feel this responsibility for needing to protect these people from mm-hmm. this information. And you can feel that. And so it's like, I don't want to say things like runway or burn rate or churn rate or things like that, because I'm the leader and I need to protect them from this information. Mm-hmm. You have stopped playing the role of leader and you've started to try to play the role of savior at that point. And what you're really protecting them from is the truth. Mm-hmm. and that's a really bad idea, right? And and then we say, oh, well, leadership is lonely. Well, the reason why leadership can be lonely, especially in those seasons of crisis, is because we have put ourselves in a position of isolation where we aren't willing to share the truth about what's actually going on with anyone. And so what I, I felt relief associated with Zach sharing this information, number one, because we had put ourselves in a really, really strong position to be able to respond to crisis financially. But then also number two is it's like, okay, we are operating with the theory that we hired adults. Let's treat people the way we want them to act. And what was crazy is they responded, all of them like adults and immediately were like, okay, what can we do? How can we jump in? What do we need to be focused on? And it felt almost like they trusted us more with that information versus seeing us make a bunch of decisions and take a bunch of actions that they were divorced from the purpose or the reason why. Yeah. I I was going to comment to what Alex's last point was by you being vulnerable and open with the level up while you are experiencing it with the team, it allowed the team to level up. Like the people who are on our team during this time will forever have that foothold that no one else that we hire from that point afterwards is going to have. And I just think about the intensity, the attention to detail, the passion that we all had with things like producing the fundamentals with our new onboarding process, with our new intensive process. There was this gumption about the team that I know we would have produced great work regardless, but because they knew that all of their actions on all of these projects were contributing to increasing our customers and reducing our churn and being able to say in team meetings, okay, here's what I did since the last team meeting that helped contribute to this. And yes, awesome. Like we have one new customer and that means the red line is closer to the green line. Like that just was something that we'll never be able to replicate in the exact same way again. 
And so I'm sure that if there were more people on this podcast right now, like our team would say that was a level up. And that's just really cool to all have that shared experience. I, I think one of the principles that I'm taking away from that is inviting people into the hardship extinguishes entitlement in some ways. Because it's like if our team's only experience of path for growth is the good things that happen, the wins that we have, the highlights, and then we have this leadership team meeting where we talk about all the hard things that go on. It's like our team would and should be entitled because they don't have visibility into the cost of what it actually takes to keep this business running. The minute that we invite them in, it's like, they, they are so ownership-minded. They care so much about this mission. They are willing and able to ride the highs and lows of this business with us, and they want to do that. And, and so oftentimes, if we feel like our team doesn't care as much as we do, or we feel like our team's entitled, or we feel like our team only experiences the goodness, a lot of times the only person we have to blame is ourself, and we need to look in the mirror in that situation. I don't know if you guys feel like this, but as you're talking, Alex, I'm thinking back, I would have absolutely felt resentment to our team if I was harboring all of the hardship and then having to put on a happy face when I'm in a room with them. And that's not fair to them. And it's not fair to me. It's not fair to anyone. And then just going back to like, if you can't say it, you should say it. That feels like, once everything was out on the table with everyone on the team, I breathed so much easier because we were all rowing in the same direction. Yeah. And there's a shared why around that. The reason, one of the reasons I point to that, like that learning and that experience as a level up for me personally is because now I'm, you know, our business name is Path for Growth and I've like, we're on the path. The thing that we are seeking is healthy growth uh, for ourselves, for our customers, right? Like we, that's what we want. And we're on the path. And part of being on the path post that level up is now trying to figure out, I don't think I would have had the vision I have now for finances, the financial operations in our business, had we not leveled up in that way as a team together. Because now I'm trying to think through like being on the path and in the present moment, how do we decentralize the finances of our business so that everyone truly is empowered to be able to understand their impact on the budget and how they're able to best serve the customers within guardrails and boundaries that we can sustainably afford. And so like, that's currently where we are is trying to think through like, okay, where are we going? But have we never even crossed the line of finances? Don't leave Zach and Alex and Olivia. Have we never crossed that line? Then it should, should have been like, okay, well, what are, what are us? What is the leadership team going to do about this? Not what is the team going to do about this? And I think you automatically start to create silos you know, if we look up 10 years from then and never have leveled up together as a team, then we'll automatically like would have created silos. And we could point back to just the history of Path for Growth saying, wow, we've never leveled up in such a way that has led to the outcome where finances are decentralized, where people are equipped with the information that they need, where people are able to uh, feel empowered and act on things within their scope of responsibility to best serve the customer without approval. You know, like all of those things can't happen, have the, these level ups, these crises that we've gone through not happen? We wouldn't have been able to solve the problems as effectively because at the end of the day, we are not experts in every aspect of the business like the rest of the team is. Word. Real quick, one principle that I want to highlight there 
the principle is not let everyone into everything all the time. And the reason why that's not the principle is we have people that are listening to this podcast that have a thousand team members, right? And this this idea or this concept that we're talking about of letting people and inviting people into hardship looks very different to a thousand team members than it does at eight or nine team members, like what we're operating with. Mm-hmm. And so what I think the principle is, is let people in locally, right? If there's ever anything that is taking up most of your headspace as it relates to the business and, or any of your leaders feel that as well, You want them and yourself to have the freedom to invite those local to you, whether it's your leadership team or your management team or lower down in the organization, your immediate team, to have visibility into what's actually going on. It doesn't mean you need to get on a stage or get on a podcast and say, we have an announcement for all thousand people. (laughs) But it does mean that you shouldn't be in a position where you feel the need to harbor secrets so that you can present an image of having it all figured out to those that you should be collaborating with instead of presenting. So good. I'd love to hear you comment on your takeaway, Alex, because as the owner of the business, that was this first real crisis season that we had. And while Zach and I were in this, we care deeply, we're not the owners of the business. And so you have just this different perspective than, than we do. What would you comment on? Yeah, I'll start with the team takeaway. And then I have a personal takeaway that I'd like to share as well at some point before we close out. Gosh, I think it it might have been like five or six months before. I remember having a conversation with Zach on the phone and telling him about some Tony Robbins content that I had heard where I said, you know, Tony Robbins teaches that there's seasons to business, right? There's fall and fall is often a season of planting and harvest. And, and then there's spring, which is when everything blooms and you get to see all the fruit of everything. And then there's summer, which a lot of times is just hard work and you got to be watering and it can be really intense in the summer. Then he said, and then there's, there's winter and winter is hardship and everything that you used to do is more difficult and everything that once did work is no longer working and all the momentum that you once felt you no longer have. And the way that I heard this taught and the way that I've thought about this is that businesses that are started during winter, if they can make it through winter, oftentimes thrive because they get bolstered and built in crisis. They get refined. They're forced to become hyper lean, hyper agile. Their people are really tough. Everyone on their team is a problem solver. And therefore, if they can make it through it, which that's a big if, they end up really thriving. Conversely, businesses that are built in spring and fall, and that's where they start, not to any detriment of their own, they have a way greater propensity to become fat, uh, to become happy, to become entitled because they think like, oh, anytime we do anything, it's like it becomes gold and and people just pay for anything that you ask them to. And customers like just throw money at you anytime you upsell. And, and that obviously gets crushed whenever they enter into winter. I remember being on a phone call with Zach and telling him, I think we could be in a position that could be really dangerous because I think we started our business in a season that looked like winter. We started the business during COVID, smack dab in the middle of COVID. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're such a risk taker, right? You're so bold. And in reality, I was like, man, people are more open to virtual work than ever before. And lots of the people that we work with are in places like Austin, Texas or Franklin, Tennessee. And it's like, they're like, this is a great time to get everyone all together in the same room and do a team training, right? And so it's like, I didn't experience it as winter at all. If anything, people were 
very proactive, at least our customers were, about the way they were willing to spend money to invest in their team, to invest in their own growth because they suddenly had more time. And I said, but I think the danger is in that we are getting told a lot that we started this business in winter. I think we probably actually started in spring. And I'm afraid that winter is going to crush us whenever it hits. And uh, that was like, Zach, I don't know. It, it feels to me like it was about five or six months before, but do you remember that conversation? Yeah, that's, it, it was just before the season, for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, stop talking you is manifested the point. this, Alex, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, right. We need to stop having conversations. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and what's crazy is even with that anticipation, I don't know that it made it any easier when we hit what felt like winter. But what was helpful is we were able to sit on the phone and say, well, I think we're in winter now. And we didn't anticipate that it was going to be all good all the time. And I know like, man, it feels like we're in, we're, we might be in summer right now. And if we're in summer right now, fall is going to be freaking awesome. (laughs) Like I'm really excited about where our business is at right now. But I think one of the things that I've learned is it's like, well, winter's coming. You know, and thankfully we're not in winter right now. It's warm. We're in the sunshine, right? It's great. Now I'd like to set ourselves up to have a Phoenix winter versus a Minnesota winter, right? And I think there's things we can do to do that. But the other thing that I think was a takeaway from that winter season was I've got the people that I want to go through winter with. Hmm. And I just remember for our team holistically, but then double down on the two of you being the leadership team for that season. I just remember telling so many people in my life, whenever they would ask how things are going, I would tell them, quite frankly, I think this is the toughest season we've been through as a business. And it's one of the richest because I feel like every day is reaffirmation that I've locked arms with the right people. Hmm. And so that's why, I mean, one of our, fundamentals one of the it's the third fundamental for healthy growth that we teach customers now is building a robust leadership team and man we just hit home so much in that in that session of like winter's coming lock arms with people that you trust their character you trust their heart and that yes they've got great competency but more than anything they're the type of person that you want to be around when your back's against the wall and so Credit to y'all too, because that was one of my takeaways that I had from that season. I remember many times, many, many times coming up from working down in the office and my husband asking me, how was today? And it was a really hard season. There was a lot of stress and there was just a lot going on. And I remember saying to him that I just really appreciated that we always focused our energy on the problem. And it never turned to the people. Hmm. Like, I can't remember a single time where any of us turned on each other. And it would have been really easy to. And just kudos to you guys. You set the tone so, so well in that. But I absolutely agree with what you said, Alex. It's almost like, would I want to go through that all again? No. But in some ways, I will always reminisce about the time, like the locking arms with the whole team, but specifically with you two for the rest of my career. Mm. And that's just really cool to have. That is neat. Olivia, is there another personal takeaway that really stands out from that season for you or team takeaway for that matter? Personally, if I were to do one thing differently, it would have been to protect my 
emotional bandwidth and energy because I one time heard set the standards for the season that you're in. And we were going really hard Mm. at work and I didn't adjust any standard in my personal life. And I had the same expectations of myself as a mother and as a friend. And I hit a, a wall. Like I really, I hit my capacity and it was hard to recover from that. Like once we broke even and then surpassed that as a coaching department, once the fundamentals were up, once all of these things just started to take, I had this like month or so after that where I was just perpetually exhausted, it felt Mm. like. And I think that if I were to do it again, I would, to say Jordan Peterson, treat myself like someone I'm responsible for caring for. And I would have said, you need to adjust the expectations outside of work. But I talk about that with people who we work with all the time, Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, what's going to give? Nothing's going to give. Well, something's going to give, and it's going to be an accident, not intentional. And how can we make it intentional? What does adjust expectations outside of work mean? Can you explain that a little bit more? I think that for me personally, it's it's slowing down and asking myself, do you need to be preparing the way for how you're going to homeschool your child who's not even at homeschool age yet right now? Do you need to be reaching out to all of your neighbors because you know there's all these things going on in their lives, but it's not just one neighbor, it's all of them, 10 right now. Do you need to be the one leading the charge on all of your friends' birthdays right now. And I think part of that comes from, and we were talking about this yesterday, this like hold that I have that if I were to release my control on any of those areas, then I am somehow lesser of a person. And that's not true. But just saying, what what is, to go back to the runway, what is the runway? We're probably going to solve this in the next three to six months. So can these other areas for the next three to six months be more of that baseline? And will you be okay? The answer is yes. I also think it, I mean, it ties back to what we've already discussed as well. And that like hearing us talk about this, we can paint the picture of like, oh, we were 24 hours from Path for Growth going out of business. And it would be wild. Like that's how emotionally caught up you can get when it feels like momentum is against you. Because every time we would meet and we would do a financial update with Zach, it would be like, oh, so you're telling me we could do what we're currently doing for almost a year and we'd be okay. So like we've got a year to figure out this problem. He'd be like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He'd be like, okay, so breathe a little bit. But that ties back to what we talked about, about like you need data, you need facts, you need outside objective opinions because the emotions can, can get really heavy on you. But I think, and we actually talked about this with some on the podcast already, I think the biggest thing that I took away personally from that season, and Zach, you and I actually connected some on this as well, was just the necessity for a heart posture of dependence. And I think when things are going well, it can be so easy to start gaining some confidence around operating independently. Uh, and specifically in dependence uh, from God, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of in dependence on God. And I think in many ways, 
uh, I had gotten that way uh, within my heart and within my soul of kind of like this, I've got this, we've got this mentality. And then suddenly there started to be evidence that it's like, no, you don't. And no, we don't. And some of this is stuff you can control. And some of this is stuff that is way radically out of your control that only God can control. And it forced me to dwell on and spend time with a phrase of what does it mean to be right-sized? And and I, I felt like that was so powerful for me because there would be times where I would go into this weird headspace of it's like, okay, well, Path for Growth as it stands right now is struggling. I could always just be a one-on-one coach and that would really suck, but I could do that, right? And, and then it's like, okay, but then even if that didn't work out, I could go, I would crush like working at a coffee shop and I could make money doing that, right? And it's like, this headspace is super illogical and irrational, but that's what emotions can do to your headspace at three o'clock in the morning, right? But that's what I would go through. And then it would be in my journaling time the next morning. And there was one specific morning where this really hit home is it's like, you're still putting this on you, right? It's like, oh, if path for growth doesn't work, then I've got coaching. If coaching doesn't work, then I've got coffee shop work, or I could go get a job for one of our customers and work for one of them and make money that way. It's like, you're still making this all about you. And I I had this moment where I realized everything you already need has been provided for you in the person of Jesus Christ and what he did for you. And everything beyond that is just gravy. And like when you get to sit in that and rest in that and realize like, oh, so this is all the bonus land. Like everything I need, it has already been won. We've declared victory. It's done. And to just sit in that for myself, but then also for the people that I care about and love and then say like, Paths for growth, this whole thing is just brownie points that is used to point to that reality, not to try and become independent of that reality. That's something that I, I mean, for sure have to come back to, but I think I learned it in a new way because I experienced it in a new way in that season. Yeah, I think said differently for me and something that I'm just kind of putting words to right now in the moment is there's something to be said about like um consistency around like building your life around a normal Tuesday and instead of like the the peaks of a grand slam win every five years and it's just interesting to me of like hmm consistent time in the word of God uh, is what a normal Tuesday looks like uh, or what it can look like and sometimes what it doesn't look like if all I'm focused on is eight months from now I want to hit this goal then I'm not actually living in my identity of being in Christ and so that's yeah Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. I think one of my takeaways from the notes that we all sent in and prep for this conversation, but also this conversation in general is it's like none of us manufactured our level up because mm-hmm. you can't, right? And the minute you try, you're trying to be God instead of lean on God. But what you can do is you can be on the path and you can be walking consistently in a direction and doing your best to be wise and love God and love people in the process And then just don't be surprised when there are seasons where winter comes or things occur that cause your paradigm to shift, your emotions to change, your faith to be broadened and expanded. But then also, a lot of times that will coincide with hardship. And I I think the verse that stands out most as it relates to everything we've talked about today is James 1, 2 through 4. It says, consider it pure joy 
My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so it's like the joy comes from like, man, you realizing this, this is hard. And I'm not going to say it's not hard, but it's making me into more of who I'm supposed to be so that I am mature and complete and not lacking anything. There's purpose behind the pain. And I think that's one of the overarching themes that's embedded in everything we've talked about today. Uh, Zach and Olivia, my greatest goal from this conversation was to give people exposure into our dynamic that we get to experience uh, every Monday morning on leadership team meetings and anytime we get together and chat or have dinner or, and then it's like you involve spouses and all bets are off. Like (laughs) that would be an intense podcast if we ever decided to do that. But so appreciate y'all appreciate your investment in this mission and the way that you have lived it out for the past three years And man, I just really, really believe we're just getting started. Well, I just got so much out of that conversation. I hope you did as well uh, and that you're able to apply some of the principles to your own leveling up seasons. One of the greatest takeaways for me was just the universal recognition that we had that, man, hardship, suffering, and discomfort seem to always overlap with that idea of leveling up as a leader. Hey, One more thing before we go. I think many of you know this to be true. One of the reasons why we call our in-person experiences experiences and not events is because we really want people to experience growth. And in many ways, we are trying to build the type of environment where people can proactively level up in the way they think about personal growth, leadership, and business. And our next one is coming up. It's in Asheville, North Carolina. The group of leaders that's going to be attending uh, this gathering in Asheville. It's just going to be so wildly powerful. We'd love to have you there if you're an impact-driven leader that owns or operates a business. And it's also for people that want to invest in their leadership teams. If you want more details, you can go to pathforgrowth.com and click on experiences to find out everything that's going to be discussed with regard to content and what we're going to be focused on and all of the logistics for the experience. We'd love to have you in Asheville with us in October. Y'all know this, we're rooting for you, we're praying for you, we wanna see you win. Remember, my strength is not for me, your strength is not for you, our strength is for service. Let's go, let's go, let's go. 